The FDF podcast is sponsored by Clark Energy, sustainably powering the food and drink sectors. Welcome to the FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink, sponsored by Clark Energy. My name is Emma Piercy and I lead on energy and climate change policy here at the Food and Drink Federation. I'm delighted to have with me today Christophe Laviel from RSK ADAS, an organisation with a global presence and in a great position to go through some of the challenges facing the food and drink businesses and how to tap on. Hello, Christophe. Hi, Emma. <laughs> so, Christophe, tell me, uh, what kind of business is RSK ADAS? Well, Emma, we, we exist to serve our customers, solve their biggest challenges around the environment, sustainability, net zero and so forth. The, the global food and drink industry is facing an evolving set of challenges. Consumers, uh, investors, regulators are demanding products that are both ethical in origin um, and, and produced in an, in an environmental friendly and sustainable way. So for food and drink businesses, this means having more sustainable and ethical raw material supply chain. And we can help with that. Uh, a greater focus on energy efficiency or water consumption, waste management and greenhouse uh, gas emissions across the production facilities. At RSK, we understand these challenges uh, and we have been tackling them for many years. So with over 75 years of experience at RSK ADAS, we've supported the food and drink sector. Uh, we combine the knowledge and expertise of more than 100 complementary environmental, geotechnical and engineering companies to support businesses across the full value chain in developing solutions that are cost-effective, ethical, sustainable, and environmental friendly. We are committed to help the food and drink industry make the transition to a sustainable and low carbon economy. Goodness, goodness. I mean, it's just, it, it's always where do you begin? Because it's such um, a, a huge, a huge remit, um, a huge coverage. I mean, thinking about um, uh, sort of then food and drink, yeah, specifically, because I know, you know, you deal with a, a number of industrial sectors. Um, I, I'm interested, I mean, with those different industrial sectors and food and drink, what what sort of synergies do you see between industrial sectors? Are, are, are there synergies? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we, we can support the food and drink uh, industry on uh, responsible supply chain that so, for example sourcing from agriculture we work with very closely with farmers um, so in terms of environment and sustainability we can help uh, companies uh, enhance their biodiversity thanks to our biodiversity consultancy nature positive and our vast army of ecologists on carbon management uh, and emission reporting. We've done uh, similar work for the oil and gas industries, utilities companies. Um, we, we, we can link landowner and renewable energy producers. Um, and in terms of uh, food and drink, if you if food and drink uh, businesses, if you want to uh, create a new site uh, or, or a new production facility, uh, we can help you with site selection and investigation, building and structure. Uh, so we've designed, engineered and built net zero production facilities. Uh, we can name them, of course, 
um, if, if that's give relevant. Give me an example. So, so in uh, in 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 Yorkshire, the new Haribo uh, facility. When I say new, it, it was a, a few years back, but we helped them uh, create the perfect shell for them to conduct their magic, which is creating some wonderful little uh, sweets that uh, our kids love and enjoy uh, all year round. And uh, uh, what we helped them was to design a building that sits very nicely in its uh, external environment, but also in terms of internal environment, uh, perfect for sweets. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm interested in that, um, you know, b- b- because you've got such a global operation. But then, of course, obviously, like we've just given that example for here in the UK, are you able to sort of have a lot of sort of cross fertilization of of ideas of experience between countries and you know and with food of course being such a a, a global system um are you able to have a lot of um, sort of shared learnings and um sort of yes experience between countries that you can bring to new projects yeah absolutely so we're, we're... We're a truly multinational company. We operate in more than 40 countries in over five continents. Um, and we provide research and advice on sustainable agriculture, climate change, biodiversity, um, net zero, to food and drinks producers, to farmers, government, banks, retailers in the UK, Europe, Africa, Middle East, North America, Asia. Uh, we, we've got 10,000 customers worldwide. And some of our uh, work has taken uh, uh, as far as uh, Jeddah in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, all over Europe, of course, uh, in the US. Uh, we're currently looking at uh, some project in South America. Uh, so, so, so you can see that uh, it's uh, uh, m- multiple various and, uh, and, and truly worldwide. Uh, absolutely and then like here in the UK um do you what's your presence like in the UK um well we've got we've got uh uh more than 40 uh location across the UK all the way from Aberdeen to uh, uh to Cornwall and Dover so I think we we cover pretty much everything yes. uh we're, we're in Wales as well and and obviously we're in Ireland and, and Northern Ireland uh, so we've got we've got full coverage. Yes, that's that's, that's amazing. Um, I mean, it, it's quite interesting, really, because I think hearing you talk, you know, there, there doesn't seem anything perhaps that you don't cover. Um, so I mean, one of my questions had been, what are your main areas of expertise? But I, I think we've covered quite a lot of that. So I, I, I think I think I'd actually quite like to draw draw sort of. Uh, down to some specific issues, you know, that we that we actually identified in our our handbook that we published recently. So this is our handbook uh, for, for net zero for manufacturers, and one of the things that you know that we identified in there, which you've touched upon already in terms of supply chains, um, is of course uh, sort of ingredients, um, and then you know looking at the, you know the greenhouse gas sort of footprint of food consumed in the UK. 66% of, of that uh, footprint comes from ingredients, um, half from the UK, half from that coming from abroad. And I mean, one of the things that, for me that, that, that really shows then is the, the influence that manufacturers can bring to bear on suppliers through their procurement processes. So I, I suppose I'd, I'd just like to explore that a bit more with you in, in terms of you know, how you're helping companies move to, to, towards net zero and, and some of these challenges. I mean, what, what do you see as sort of, you know, some of the main 
risks that businesses are facing in, in this procurement area? Uh, so the main procurement risk could be separated into two, two categories, supply chain risks and social and economic risks. So supply chain risk uh, are things like uh, linked to high carbon ingredients, uh, deforestation, biodiversity reduction, pesticide use, uh, m- many linked to, as you said, the 66% uh, of, of the ingredients that are coming from far afield or from the UK. And then in terms of the social and economic risk, we've got linked to animal welfare, if you use those products, uh, modern slavery, it's, uh, it's, uh, we think it's, uh, it's only uh, further away um, from, from the UK, but we have seen examples uh, happening in the UK. Um, traceability at all level of natural resource use, provenance, nutrient content, all of this is coming. So all those risks there. But the major risk, I think, uh, from failing to address those two categories would be a, 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 a reputational damage to your brand or product if you are not seen to be doing your utmost to reduce your either your carbon footprint or make uh, our planet a better place to live. It's it's totally uh, combined together now. Mm. Um, in fact, I've just been reading a book, or I've just started reading a book by Mark Carney um, on value. And in brackets, he put, puts value and in brackets S for, for values. Um, you know, and, re- and in the bits I've read so far, you know, he talks about how, um, it, it, you know, it, it essentially that when we haven't, as a lot of companies have not yet sort of uh, understood the level of exposure that they have in terms of climate risk. And I suppose... You know, and and the, so you know, over over the last year, last year or two, we see more with the uh, task force on climate disclosures and the more sort of reporting requirements around this. And I mean, do you see that as a as a as quite a big driver then that you know some of this, uh, should we say, pressure from from governments to to look at, or do you see actually? that a lot of businesses are also being quite proactive in this area. I, I think you're right. There, there, there's always, um, um, there, there's two things. Uh, businesses will do it, will, will do it by themselves. And every, I think everyone uh, now on, on earth, or at least in, in the Western, Western world, will be well accustomed to all the, all the issues that, and the risk that climate risk, uh, climate risk has got. Um, but it's also making sure that, um, uh, from a legislation point of view, so you talked about the TCFDs, and uh, we want to avoid greenwashing as much as possible, which is about overclaiming some of the little achievements without proof of accreditation. Uh, but uh, but but I think everyone genuinely wants to do wants to do well, wants to hand over to our children and our grandchildren uh, a, a better planet Earth, uh, which can sustain um, them for for many many years to come. So. Uh, what what I think is good about the the legislation is that it gives a framework in which we can act. So we all act together rather than uh, every business is going into different directions. Uh, so at least it gives us a sense of directions. And then when we want to focus on something else, maybe the legislation can evolve a little bit. But genuinely, I believe that every business is, is really interested in doing the right stuff. And you talk about uh, the values. I think we haven't put enough value on the free resources that for many centuries we've uh, we've taken for granted from from yes. the earth, whether it's soil health, uh, air quality, 
um, and, and and water. In the UK, water maybe is not as bad as in the south of Spain, maybe. But nevertheless, uh, we probably take it for granted here in the UK a little bit too much. So, and, it, and, and similar way, biodiversity is hugely important. The, the next cure to the next disease might be coming from uh, one of those uh, species that we have not destroyed yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. This this also very much links in um, with another part of his book, which I've yet to read yet, but it's been highlighted to me uh, around purpose and sort of you know value that uh, actually organisations you know can 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 bring to society. And of course, when we look at food and drink manufacturing, I mean, uh, and the food systems as a whole, it can it can be more sort of obvious you know we're here feeding the population and, and yet you know as a sector we contribute 20 percent to the uk's carbon footprint and that really sort of demonstrates both the impact we've had on the environment but our dependency on it and you know the therefore then also that we with climate change the risks that we that we face are, are, are on the back of i suppose globally how we've done things to date i, I couldn't agree more <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is yeah, it's really it's a really interesting topic. I mean, I, I think one of the other things I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I know we talked about procurement risks, but um, what would you say? What would you say are the main operational risks that that face businesses? Operational risk, development, operations, and compliance, uh, and facility management. So, so in terms of development uh, risks such as site selection, doing your due diligence, using uh, the most sustainable material or building design um, uh, whilst you develop that the, the site, you create the, the right shell to conduct your magic that I was talking about earlier on. Uh, so, so leave that to us, we've done it. Um, uh, many, many times uh, successfully. I, I mentioned the Arab example before, uh, but if it is to design a net zero building, uh, we, we, we can do that and we've we've got the technology to, to do this. In the operation themselves, such as cost of resource, um, we, 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 we've seen recently that natural gas uh, was prices were going up. So how do you how do you uh, mitigate uh, these these things and if you've got a net zero building then you need to use less to for your heating now maybe you can go into uh, ground heat source uh, for heating the building um, so there are, there are alternative out there that uh, we we've been exploring for for many years uh, but then it goes through allergen control um, environment health and safety management system and so on and so on and the third um, example on uh, others compliant risk or, or being at risk of being non-compliant so there's regulatory compliance um, we've got uh, statutory nuisance or, or or any management system that is not fit for purpose so come to us and we can we can help with that but finally I think there's a lot around waste uh, mm -hmm. And it can be waste that are byproduct of your processes, or simple waste of very good food, and unfortunately that's still happening, um, or, or or simple uh, wasting energy or water. Um, Sometimes this happens as well. So so we can help uh, around all of that. I mean, you've, you've listed there, you know, quite an, a number of different sort of issues there. I mean, if if a business sort of had to sort of prioritize. Um, so, so, so the key, some of the key challenges. Uh, let's say from a, 
uh, an external uh, communications perspective in terms of, you know, what, what would you say are the top priorities that, that businesses sort of need to work on from, from an external point of view? So in food and drink, from my point of view, well, from my point of view, from, from, from Ascada's point of view, uh, we're, we're going to follow uh, what, what the uh, UK government, but it's the same with Europe and it's the same with, the other, with, with, with some of the other uh, areas of the world. It's feeding a healthy population. So how do we bring the best food that we can throughout the supply chain? Um, and that, that is in terms of uh, nutrients uh, that, uh, that, that is uh, encapsulated in, in the food itself. Um, it's about the net carbon impact of growing that food from the farms and processing it into our processing facilities, transporting it, packaging it. Although packaging is not a huge contributor, but um, uh, and then and then disposing of what's left after we we consumed it as um, uh, as uh, as consumers uh, within our families. Um, so 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 you can see you can see that there are various areas where we can start. So. Mm -hmm. As I said, health and then net zero carbon. Yeah, so health and net zero carbon. I mean, to, to me, absolutely, that those sound, you know, two key things around, of course, sustainable, healthy diets, and what do we what do we mean by that? And and of course, the sustainability is that all aspects of social, environmental, economic, and you know, the, this this move uh, to, to, to net zero. Um, you know, I, th I think this whole this whole sort of description really sort of articulates that uh, you know the the pressure, the momentum that that's really building, you know, around companies responding to these challenges of of climate change and and, and the calls for consumers um, for, for for change. I mean, I think Christopher, I suppose I suppose my next question would be. You know, how would you how would you advise companies to, to start on this journey? It's a it's a very good question, and uh, it's it's one that uh, keeps uh, small and medium companies uh, awake at night. With you know, we talked about the legislation, but effectively, uh, you, you start with a plan, uh, and you, you you develop your plan or strategy. What know what you are trying to achieve? Where do you want to focus on? So we talked about health. We talked about um, uh, nutrients. We talked about carbon footprint. We can add biodiversity. Uh, we, we talked about water and waste. So yes. Just choose some of these, and then um, what, what, once you once you measure, try to measure where where is your baseline. Then take action to either decarbonize or reduce the emissions or or improve efficiency of any of the of the above that that we've mentioned. Um, you, you, you then go on to um, uh, those actions, you put them in place and see where, where they get you. Now, that's not going to get you all the way down. So you can start thinking about offset uh, within uh, within um, uh, a limited capacity that you shouldn't start with, with well, let's offset everything. But it's just there to, to help you get over the line. And then you ensure that your operation and supply chain are protected from uh, extreme weathers and transitional risks and, uh, and things like that. So you, you adapt to the new world. Uh, and finally, you've got to communicate. No point in doing all of that if you're not making the most of it uh, towards your investors, your stakeholders, your customers, your consumers. Uh, that's, that's paramount. 
Because actually, I'm just thinking, you know, if the stakeholders don't know about it, well, that the, the, they don't understand the value, of course, that, you know, that you're generating. Um, and it's sort of that missed opportunity there. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's very important. And you've got to communicate within within the, the, the rules. And I think the CMA um, have just uh, published their uh, uh, their rules on how not to uh, communicate to uh, and avoid greenwashing. So uh, it's it's good to, to, to read if you haven't done so already. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, like how you talk about, you know, climate risk and, 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 and resilience to this. Uh, I, I'm just wondering, how do you go about assessing that uh, for a company? Oh, we've got a number of models, but uh, we've um, we, we've been working across uh, so many industries, and uh, the the problem tends to, to 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 come to come again from one industry to the next. Uh, and so it's this unique blend of consulting and contracting services that enables us to uh, think about the strategy, implement, uh, take the learnings, reapply from one business to another, um, and uh, we've got. Uh, a number of teams that are specialists in their sectors. So all the one I mentioned around water, we've got specialists on this, biodiversity with specialists on that topic, um, climate, carbon, all of these are, I've got their specific uh, experts that we can draw upon and mix and match exactly to what the customer wants to do. And that's how we, we, we go about uh, uh, designing, implementing adaptation and mitigation solutions. Okay. So I have one last question before we finish. And and I suppose, to be honest, it, it does touch upon some other questions we've had already. But I think in terms of rounding off a, a, a discussion, I'm thinking if I was one of the listeners, that when when talking about the risks and opportunities for, for, for the food and drink uh, manufacturing sector, what, what are the first things that, that, that come to mind around the advice you may give them in terms of making progress on sustainability as as a whole, I suppose maybe in part it depends on on where they are in the journey already. Um, I know you've already talked about you know how companies start, um, but maybe maybe another way of putting the question is um, what are the what are some key takeaways that you'd like people to to take away with them, you know, following. following. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the way you you you, you put it as uh, risk and opportunities. Uh, and and if we if we take uh, some of the risks, you know, on sustainability, doing nothing is not an option from a brand reputational point of view. It would be madness. Um, but from a wider angle, it's about preserving our future. Uh, and that of the next generation. So you've got you've got to start. You've got to you've got to be courageous and uh, and you, and you're there. If you've already started, then there's always plenty more we can do. So uh, if you if you don't know what your next step is, we can certainly help identify that. But the opportunities the opportunities are massive. Um, we we're near the beginning of the sustainable transition of food and drink in the UK worldwide. And many alternative food brands have launched and carved themselves a growing share of the market across across the UK, across the world. So another real opportunity is to be the first to market, yeah, you know, beat your competition. Consumers are expecting it uh, and, and shoppers are looking for 
the sustainable uh, element uh, of your of your products. So be the first, be the first to claim rightfully, uh, truthfully to claim that uh, uh, you, you, you've you've done your homework on sustainable environment, carbon, and so on and so on. Uh, and uh, that is a that is a brilliant opportunity. Now we've worked with uh, many customers in the food and drink industry, so we would be very happy to answer any question you may have. Do call us. Thank you, Christoph. And, you know, I, I really find speaking with you really inspiring and um, I'm really looking forward to working with you. So that th thank you so much for joining me today. And, and again, thank you actually to everyone who's listening.